Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast this week. We are going for a totally different topic today, but I am so excited. I just got off with recording with Tracy, and I'm, uh, I am I need to go reflect for a little bit. My mind is blown. I've been on a roller coaster. And I'm really excited for you to listen into this conversation. So first of all, I want to make sure that you know, in case you missed last week's episode, that the um, no complaining, no negativity, no ugliness Facebook group for Etsy sellers for the How to Sell Your Stuff family is officially launched. The link is down in the show notes if you want to join us on Facebook. And we are going to have a very supportive community. And I'm going to be very dedicated to making sure that it stays that way. So I'm not necessarily going to be super in there answering every single question because you guys know how stretched I am right now. But I am, I do have moderators in there with me and we're going to make sure this remains a like your place. Happy, uplifting, helpful, positive, constructive, all the things. So I do hope that you'll join me there. So before we um, bring Tracy on, let me tell you a bit about her. Tracy Otsutka, O-T-S-U-K-A, is an ADHD coach, a podcast host, attorney, and author of ADHD for Smartass Women. It just came out. Super exciting. I think actually it's not supposed to launch until the 26th, but people have been finding it at Barnes & Noble. Just heads up on that. So we'll see. But um, Tracy is a certified ADHD coach. And over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of clients from doctors and therapists to C-suite executives and entrepreneurs to see their neurodivergence as a strength, not a weakness. Tracy leverages her analytical skills from being a lead counsel at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to identify the right questions to ask her clients so they can boost their productivity, improve their finances, save failing relationships, and live happier lives. Tracy's expertise and experience as an adult living with ADHD are regularly sought out by top-tier media, including um, Inc., Forbes, Attitude Magazine. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard of that one. ADD-itude. Um, the Gold Digger Podcast. That's where I found her. When she's not sharing her thought leadership around ADHD on other platforms, she hosts her own podcast, which ranks number one in its category and has over 5 million downloads across 160 countries. Holy cow, that's amazing. She also moderates a Facebook group with nearly 100,000 members. A married mother of two, Tracy lives in Sonoma County outside of San Francisco. Her new book, ADHD for Smartass Women, is due out in December of 2023. So we are going to talk about um, Tracy's story. I can't believe how much of myself I saw in all of this, and I'll be very curious to hear what you think as well. And she is going to talk through some of the common things that um, show up with women entrepreneurs who are have ADHD. There's a, it's very common that w- people who are entrepreneurs that are as women also have ADHD and some um, really interesting solves to 
to help because it's your brain is literally amazing. So uh, it's going to be so fascinating to see what comes out of this. I'm really excited to introduce you to her. So let's welcome Tracy to the podcast. Yay, Tracy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited we got to do this. I am too. Thank you so much. You know, whenever I do this, we basically change lives because there are listeners right now who are thinking, that's not me. I definitely don't have ADHD. I'm nowhere on the spectrum. And then we're going to start talking and they're going to see themselves in what we're talking about. And by the end, we're going to have changed some lives because it really is important to know what it is. So if you've struggled, if you've been struggling, if you don't know, you know, why you can't get things done, why you feel like you're all over the place and you figure out that, oh, it's because I have an ADHD brain. It is a complete game changer because there's all kinds of strategies. It's not a brain that's disordered. It is a brain that's different. And we're going to talk a lot about that. So I'm super excited. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. And so I heard about you from Jenna Kutcher a long time ago now, and Mm -hmm. I was completely tickled by your episode with her and particularly about um, how you diagnosed her. (laughs) It was such a riot to hear the story of how you're like, and I think you have it, Jenna. And that, that transformation, it totally drew me to this. But my favorite thing about you, Tracy, is that you bring hope. And I think the people that I have talked to who at some point, and it was, it was recent in the last couple of years that they discovered they had ADHD, there was so much shame connected to why they felt like they couldn't get things done or they felt tired or they, all of these different things that I'm sure we'll get into. So I also just want to plug up front. You bring so much hope to this as opposed to it being like, well, Yep, this is you, and you, you've got a problem, and you've, you're just screwed, or you've got to right. figure it out. So Good thank luck. you for Here's that. medication, nothing else. And I'm not against medication. I get that all no. the time. That oh, you're ableist. You you know you you know you dis medication. I don't at all. But my only point is, I don't think medication is enough. If you're one of the lucky seventy percent where it really works for you, great. But it's not enough. There's got to be more than medication because then you're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on. You're not really understanding how your brain works. Well, and on top of that, some people just aren't compatible with it. You know, it affects their life. Yeah, it it affects their life in ways that makes it difficult. So let's go back to the beginning. I've just been so excited for this. Tell us about yourself and what your background is and how you became an expert in ADHD. Because I haven't met one before, so it's got to be a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if you're an expert in ADHD, you can promise that you've done all kinds of things before ADHD. So (laughs) my son was diagnosed when he was 12 years old. This was probably nine years ago now. And um, I was absolutely taken aback. I thought if you have ADHD, it means that you're not very smart. You're all over the place. You're a problem. You're annoying. All of those things. And, you know, you're certainly not very ambitious. And I couldn't square that with my son who at nine years old, I would catch him. And I know this doesn't say much for my mommy skills, but I would catch him on Sunday mornings at the computer. We had, you know, a common one in the kitchen and he would be searching how to get into Harvard, you know? So he was a super, super ambitious kid. And so I didn't understand what ADHD meant. And so my husband and I met with a psychologist who was supposedly an expert in ADHD. And she met with us three times, once with um, just my son, once with my husband and me, and then once um, at with, excuse me, once just with my son, once with the whole family, and then once just with my husband and I, and me, okay. right? And me, yeah, my husband and me. And um, she told us that our job as his parents 
was to reduce his expectations because he was far too ambitious and he would only be disappointed in life. Who tells a child that? Ever or oh, a parent to tell a child no, that? No, no. And I don't care if that child is intellectually disabled. I mean, if you put the standard here, and that's what they think they can attain, okay, they may come here. But if you put it here, they're going to be, you know, below that one as well. So it made no sense to me, and that's when I decided, okay. My job as his parent is actually to figure out and discover everything I can about ADHD so that I understand it. So it took me eight months of really being focused on him to finally realize that, oh my gosh, he got his ADHD from me. It's just (gasps) that it shows differently in women. And Marcus, my son, really struggled in school. So you knew he was really smart because you heard him speak and you heard like he was all over the place in terms of his interests. But when he was interested in something, he wouldn't just research, you know, for an hour. He would literally learn everything he could about that subject just as quickly as he possibly could. And so Because that was what you saw of him, the grades didn't square, he'd do homework, maybe halfway, turn it in. If he did the homework all the way, he'd forget to turn it in. So his teachers, his parents, everybody just thought that, oh, well, he's not implying himself, right? He's not trying hard enough. We didn't understand what ADHD was. And I didn't have that experience. I actually was a very good student. I realize now with hindsight that I worked so hard for those grades, so Mm -hmm. much harder than anyone else. But I also, you know, I wasn't, um, I was loud and I was chatty and that can be, you know, a form of hyperactivity. That's typically what you see in a lot of girls, but because of sexism and, you know, gender roles and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people think that, oh, if you're chatty, that's just a female quality. And it's like, no, that is not a female quality. That is ADHD. But for me, I started to look back at my history, right? And yes, I studied really hard. I got really good grades. I got into college. The first year of college, I almost flunked out of school, which is very common with ADHD. Because think about it. You have, you know, I was lucky enough. I was blessed to have parents who really wanted to be parents and, you know, provided everything we could possibly need. And I had gone to a Catholic school. But in seventh grade, I had been pulled out of school because I was in public school because all of a sudden it was junior high and my grades went from A's to B minuses, literally all of them overnight. And all I cared about was going to dances and wearing makeup, right? That was, <laughs> that was what I was interested in. And so my parents were worried. And so they pulled me out, put me in a Catholic school. There's a lot of structure in a Catholic school. Yes. And so this is, you know, it's very common. We struggle during transition. So going from elementary school where I got great grades and I was on, you know, in student government, I was the vice president of the school. I was, you know, treasurer, not treasurer, secretary of the school, went back to vice president. Like I was so involved and I was also dancing ballet five days a week. So had that struggled with that transition, but pulled it together. My parents put me into a Catholic Um, junior high school. And then I went to the Catholic high school, lots of structure in those kinds of schools. I did really well, got myself into college, 
almost flunked out again. This time I decided I was going to be a dentist like my dad. I have no aptitude, no interest for science, math, all of that stuff. And I just, you know, I had a tiger mom and a tiger dad, right? Um, A German mother and a Japanese American father. And so they did, you know, tiger parent things. And, you know, one of those things is they wanted to make sure that we could provide for ourselves, right? And in their mind, that meant you could be a doctor, a dentist, a um, a lawyer, and probably an engineer would have been okay too. You know, anything with math and science. Math and science. And because my father was a dentist, I figured, okay, I'll do this. You know, if he did it, I can do it. And I almost flunked out of school. I hated it so much. I did not understand what I was doing. I was staying up all night, you know, with no-dos. I don't know if you remember those caffeine Oh, pills I remember. Take. <laughs> and I just struggled. And it wasn't until I realized that oh my gosh, I'm going to flunk out of school. I need to change my major. The things started to change. But if you, if you figure out that, so when you make those transitions, like you go from high school to college, all of a sudden the structure of your family is gone and you are required not only to number one, not be distracted and, you know, into, oh, the friends and the parties and all that, you know, new roommates, you know, new people on your floor living alone. My parents were very strict. And so what ended up happening is, you know, I wasn't studying as much as I should have. I was studying very last minute because I would procrastinate. Then when I was studying, I was doing silly things like staying up all night on these, you know, caffeine pills. And I can't take any stimulant medication. Caffeine is a stimulant. It would make me so anxious. And and we now know that when we sleep, that's when we consolidate our learning, right? So you don't want to be cramming in the last hour and certainly not staying up all night. So it was a mess. I finally changed my major to political science and I decided, okay, I was going to be a lawyer. And from then on, things got so much easier, but I had these crappy grades from this first year. And so you're always kind of trying to catch up. Yeah. And so I ended up going to law school. I ended up, um, but I, I didn't go to the best law school because of those first year grades. And I just knew I was capable of so much more. So I discovered securities law. And I ended up um, going to Georgetown to get a master's in securities law. And I practiced with the SEC for five years. Now, while I was practicing for the SEC, I was so entrepreneurial. I've always been. You know, I'd started all these businesses when I was a kid. And then when I was in college, I had an aerobics company. Um, they, they did this it was like a micro, um, you know, what do you call it? Like those, those, they help you try start an entrepreneurial business. Oh, cool. A micro loan, like a, no, it wasn't a micro loan. It was, I, I can't even remember, but they basically wanted people to start businesses, wanted to teach them how to do it. So I was accepted into that program and I started an aerobics company. So I'm in law school. I graduate from law school. I go, um, do a master's, and then I work as an attorney for the SEC. And it's hilarious because, you know, I hated math, I hated numbers, but I ended up being, you know, an enforcement attorney, which my title was a finance attorney. (laughs) So, you know, you're analyzing documents, you're doing all this stuff that, you know, I was really good though, however, at the deposition. So I was really good at getting people, you know, getting documents, looking through those documents and then getting people to come in and asking questions. And so, you know, I really liked that line of work, but I knew I wanted to start my own business. So five years in, 
I decided without any training whatsoever, without knowing anything about the fashion industry, I was going to start a high-end women's wear company. And there was a gap in the market that I thought needed to be addressed, and that's what I did. Well, in eight months, I was in Saks, Neiman Marcus, and Nordstrom. Oh, my gosh. I was very entrepreneurial, and I was really good at, you know, my story was different. I was an outsider, right? I knew nothing about fashion. I knew nothing about design. So it was interesting to write about me, Um, you know, being an attorney that, you know, was basically delivering a product to the market that was missing. So I did that for about five years. I wanted a family, and I realized that if I were to stay in that industry, it was going to be another seven years, and I was flying all over the place. I was never home. I was Mm. working till 2 a.m. just, you know, for years on end. And I wanted a family. So I ended up leaving that company, closing that company, and I started um, working as a real estate broker. Um, Had a bunch of kids. All of a sudden, this drivenness, this ambition kind of receded. And it was really all about the kids. And so I did that for 15 years. And um, then my kids, so I didn't just do, again, regular real estate. I was a broker that worked for about two dozen banks when the market went to hell. And I represented them in foreclosures and REOs. And that sounds really scary. And it sounds like it'd be a really mean occupation, but it wasn't. I loved it so much because number one, it was nine to five. It was a business versus regular real estate. And I specialized in luxury real estate. It's so emotional. And you're dealing with everybody's trauma in childhood because when they're that stressed, um, that's when it comes out, right? Yep. And you're also available 24-7, even though I never worked with buyers, even with, you know, when something blew up, it didn't matter what day of the week or what time of the day it happened. So I got into these REOs and foreclosures because for the first time, my legal background really made a difference. It made a difference to these banks. And I love that business because every transaction was different. I was sent everywhere from the worst neighborhoods where, you know, I deal with pit bulls and, mm-hmm. um, civil standby where I'd have to have a sheriff come with me. I never knew what the word tweaker was. I knew once <laughs> I, I was in, um, you know, this REO foreclosure kind of work. I was spat on by a vicious under the camel. I didn't even know we had camels here. I mean, it was just, it was one thing after another, but it was really challenging work. It was kind of dangerous and it was also really fun. That market dried up. And I was like, okay, my kids are getting older. They're going to start going off to college. What am I doing with my life? I I just knew that I was destined to do much more than that, but I didn't know what it was. And so when my son was diagnosed, that is around that time, and I started to do all the research. And once I discovered that he got his ADHD from me, and women, 75% of them will never, you know, they're not diagnosed. They have ADHD and they're not diagnosed because we don't understand what ADHD looks like in women. And we certainly don't, I mean, we don't even really understand what ADHD looks like in anyone at this point. So, you know, it was either work with the kids or work with... um This is a really long story. I'm sure you'll cut some of this or work with the women. 
And so I wanted to put guardrails on my learning. I started a Facebook group because I wanted to more meet more women that were like me. And once I started that Facebook group, it just started to grow so quickly. And so in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to start a podcast. So I started a podcast. Well, the podcast started in 2019 and um, it started to blow up, but it really blew up during COVID because a lot of women- Ugh. Yes. home with not only their businesses, they were also home with their kids. And it was just too much to manage because now, you know, they were kind of at their, their tipping point anyway. And then once they had to manage their kids' education, they just went over, you know, over the top there. So they started to, you know, look at places like TikTok. And there were a lot of people talking about TikTok. And many of these women had gone to doctors for years, you know, trying to figure out what is wrong with me. And they would hear, oh, you've got anxiety or you've got depression or honey, it's hormones or it's all in oh. your head. And suddenly they realized that no, it's it it may be some of those things as well. Those may be comorbid, but underlying it all was ADHD. So that's a really long story. And um, you know, then it led to my program, which I have a patented program called Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. So for me, from the time I graduated from law school, I was always going to career counselors or reading self-development, you know, trying to figure out, okay, why am I so different? Why am I always insistent on being the outsider rather than just doing what everybody else is doing? And um, <laughs> I couldn't get the answers. And so I created a program for myself and then patented it for anyone. But what I really discovered is the reason I needed it so much was because the ADHD brain is a brain of interest. You know, you talk about squirrel and bright sparkly. And so if you looked at my background, I was all over the place. But it all, you know, you can't see, I think this, it's Steve Jobs who says this, you can't see your path looking forward. You can only see it looking back. Yeah. And once these ADHD women, myself included, started to connect all the dots and see all the things we've done, we realized why all of those things ultimately led to that big thing that we should be doing with our life. And so I'm not your traditional ADHD coach either. Again, I'm always the outsider. I don't do the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't do any of that. My goal is to really help ADHD women figure out, okay, you've got so many interests. The problem is you've got so many interests. Let's hone in on the interests you really should be pursuing because ADHD people, we are extremely mission-driven. So we need to be working in our purpose, but there's a process to getting there. So that's how this all happened. And then, you know, I got a book deal and I think by the time this podcast airs, the book will be out, also called ADHD for Smartass Women. But my whole goal is really to be strength-focused because I think the ADHD brain is brilliant. I have met thousands of ADHD women at this point. I have never met one, not one, that isn't truly brilliant at something. And so my charge and their charge is to figure out, okay, where does that brilliance lie? So phew, that was a really long-winded ADHD explanation of my background. If you guys haven't jumped onto the Everbee bandwagon yet, this is your sign to check it out ASAP. If you haven't heard of it before, Everbee is a free tool that can help you find trends, products, and niches that are hot sellers on Etsy right now. I personally use it in tandem with Sales Samurai because they do totally different things. And I literally don't think I could compete 
in the current Etsy marketplace today without it or help you guys as effectively. Uh, Everbee gives me so much information that I can't glean just from studying Etsy. All you need is a laptop or desktop. You can't do it on your phone. So you do need a laptop or whatever, a Google Chrome browser, a quick install of the Everbee extension. And for my tech challenge friends, I promise you it's super simple. And then you will gain access to a whole new world of data about your niche and competitors. So this is a tool I use every single day um, for my own Etsy shop research, for coaching calls that I do with you guys all the time, for shop reviews I do for you guys all the time. And just as I work on growing my personal mastery of Etsy, these tools have have become so instrumental in getting the results that I do. And I, I mean, I can still use my old school tactics. I still use them, but I... I don't use them alone anymore because it's just, it's a whole different ball game. So these guys have just been a game changer for me. I use Everbee to learn everything about bestsellers and high performing listings. It shows me, okay, I'm going to give you a rundown. It shows me how many sales a shop makes from each listing. I can see how many they've sold of it, how much money that listing has made them or is earning them every month, how old the listing is, like how, how early did they get on on that, on that trend, what their tags are and how competitive those tags are. It gives me an at-a-glance view of all the shop data, um, which sometimes I can't otherwise find, and like the competitor listing data that I need to help my students and myself find ways to penetrate the market. So like I said before, Etsy has a totally free version, like not just a free trial. There is a free version so everyone can get access to it. Download Down in the show notes, I have a link to their site for you so you can um, check it out. And I also included a quick YouTube tutorial to show you exactly how I use it because sometimes like the barrier to entry is trying to figure out new technology. So I got you. Just go watch. It's a quick video. It'll show you how to navigate it. So if you don't have it yet, get Everbee. Jump on that today. I'm so excited for you to get this edge on the market you're going to love it. It's a game changer. But A, you are a marvel and that was magical. And B, the story in and of itself is going to help women identify, oh, that's really familiar. I've done 30,000 things too. And the jumping doesn't necessarily make sense. I'm sure they even, you know, got a lot of flack for it because I can imagine if my parents paid for law school and then I decided to change careers, it would have just been a really interesting conversation. So, and luckily, okay. I yeah. I had other parents, like other friends' parents, look at me and say, "That's a mistake. Don't do that." My parents never did that. Aww. So, you know, I think so. The other thing that you need to know is forty three percent of all people with ADHD are in excellent mental health, not good mental mm. health, not okay mental health, excellent mental health, and that was a study a big study that came out of Canada in 2022, like February or March, you know, I've not heard one person talk about it that's in the ADHD space. So instead of focusing on the pathology, all the things we supposedly can't do, all of our weaknesses, how about if we focus on what those 43% are doing right? Yes. And, you know, build a life that actually works for us instead of fall into learned helplessness because we think that, oh, I'm not capable of doing anything. And I start all these things and I never, I never, you know, finish them. There's a reason you don't finish them. I think, well, we have, we have, we need like a series though. This isn't even going to cut it for an hour. Um, So it actually makes complete sense to me that they're in excellent mental health because they have spent their entire lives having to manage their brain around a world that was not set up for the way that they think at all. So it makes sense that they've had to put guardrails in place to help them function at such a high level of creativity in our world. And however, 
again, if you have that one adult in your life who supported you exactly the way you are, oh. you can understand excellent mental health. But yeah. think about if from the time you were little, because the ADHD child, this is boys, because all the studies, of course, are done on white prepubescent boys. I can't remember where I was going. You can see my ADHD brain in full. No, I think you were, you were talking about how um, the mental health and how, it, because they've had to manage oh, themselves around yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine if you're a child and, you know, the statistics are that if you are 10, by the time you're 10 years old, you've heard, I've heard 10 years old and 12 years old, which is why okay. I always get stuck there. Um, you have received 20,000 more negative messages than a child right. who doesn't have ADHD. Oh so, my gosh. Yes. So we think of trauma as big, like something violent happens right. to big T trauma. Big T, right. You can also have little T trauma. All those cuts, you hear oh. it from your parents, you hear it from your teachers, you hear it from your coaches, you hear it from your friends, you hear it from your partner, you hear it from your boss. You can imagine those cuts over time end up becoming one big T trauma. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm a loser. I can't do anything. So I'm just not going to do anything. And if you also have big T trauma, right? Because of your circumstances, developmental trauma when you were a little, you know, um, trauma regarding how you grew up or, mm -hmm. you know, something violent happening to you, trauma symptoms mirror ADHD symptoms. Or we can be all over the place. We struggle with focus. You can be hyperactive. So all of those symptoms are also symptoms of trauma. So you have the trauma symptoms, and then you have the ADHD symptoms on top of that. You can understand why there would be such a problem and why not everybody is in excellent mental health. But once those people that are not in excellent mental health understand why, and they realize that it's not a moral failing. It's not a character flaw. No, they just have a different brain that works using a, well, I would say we're like Macs in a Windows-driven world. So it's a different operating system that we use. And you just stop beating yourself up. You know, you stop the shame. I mean, the reason why I don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching is because what's so much more successful is when you're around a community yeah. and you start to see all these ADHD women and you're like, oh my God, she's brilliant. And she's brilliant. And I can't even believe this woman has ADHD. She's so brilliant because what I thought ADHD was, she's not anywhere near that. And look at this one and this one and this one. And all of a sudden you turn it in on yourself and you're like, well, wait a minute. If I'm around all these brilliant ADHD women and I'm in this group too, I must be brilliant somewhere as well. And so you start, it's hope, right? You start opening yourself up and realizing that, you know, once we realize what it is and we build a system and strategies around our success and how to be successful with this kind of brain, the sky is the limit. It is never too late. I have seen women, literally, I'll meet them, you know, in January. And by the time I see them again in July, I don't even recognize them. It is unbelievable as far as what they've accomplished and how they feel about themselves. I've also met women where you know, in five, I used to run this program called Five Days. Eight, wait, what is it called? Five <laughs> Days. Oh, Five Days to Fall in Love with Your ADHD Brain. And I remember when I first put the program together, I thought, am I overpromising? Can I do this in five days? I think I can do it in five days, but are you sure? So I went for it. And in five days, you can have a complete about face because 180 difference, because you suddenly realize there's nothing to be ashamed about, right? This is how you were born. This is your brain. And um, there are ways to work with it that are 
enormously successful. And they also, they just make you so much happier and really reduce the overwhelm because that's, I think, what the biggest problem is just this overwhelm, you know, this spinning, feeling like you can never accomplish what you want to accomplish, feeling like you can't start. And there's so many strategies around that. So, and I love that we've gone completely rogue on the questions. This is happening more and more. I'm about to stop even writing questions for these interviews. Tracy, can we talk about like, let's, let's help some women figure themselves out here for a few minutes, especially as like an entrepreneur. Um, can, what are some, some ways that a, a woman entrepreneur experiences ADHD? Like if we're going to help them kind of pick themselves out, um, like what specific challenges would they face? Okay. So when you look at the DSM-5, it's beautiful diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. Even the name itself, you know, so sexy. I cannot. ADHD is not a mental disorder. I'm sorry, right. it's not. And but but there are certain definitions in there, and they don't take women into account at all, of course. Okay. Or frankly, girls. So what they will say is it's a neurobiological disorder. I say it's a neurobiological condition, and okay. really, um, the three you know the three things that they look at is. You can't sit still. So there's hyperactivity, impulsivity, uh, excuse me, hyperactivity. You are impulsive, meaning you don't think before you act. And you don't have to have all of these, by the way. Um, okay. And or you struggle with focus. So it's those three things. So you can, there's three types of ADHD. There's hyperactivity, hyperactive impulsive. There is in a ten, hyperactive impulsive is kind of what you think about, like the, you know, 12-year-old boy climbing the walls. He's totally annoying in school. You know, he's constantly yes. being moved. He's just a problem. Inattentive ADHD is the type of ADHD that is women are twice as likely to have it. And inattentive ADHD looks completely different. It looks like that girl in the back of the classroom that's in her head and she's daydreaming and spacey and all over the place, right? And she doesn't My even favorite. realize she's in class until she gets called on. And then it's like, oh, and then what class am I in, right? But she's not annoying. She's not a problem. She may get average grades. You know, they don't really care. And it's not teacher's fault. You know, they, they only have so much time. There's only one of them. But they don't really care that you live to your potential, right? They just care that you graduate. And so she may be getting C's. And, you know, the thought is, oh, well, she's all over the place. She must not be very smart, which is usually far, far from it. So- the third kind of ADHD is you have, it's combined type, and you have hyperactivity, impulsivity, and you also have inattention. Now, I will tell you from what I have observed, because, you know, there's science, there's doctors, there's clinicians, and, you know, I, I, I believe in their work and what they're doing. I'm not one of those people. But there's also experience, right? And after, and we are really good at seeing patterns. And after you have met thousands of ADHD women, you start to see patterns, right? And so that is where I'm coming from. It's from the experience of being an ADHD woman and then being around all of these other ADHD women. So that is kind of the definition of ADHD. However, there are three telltale signs that you don't typically hear people talking about. And the first one is unexplained underachievement. So mm, wow. what that means is, you know someone or you are that person and you know how smart you are. You know, when there's something that you're interested in, if there's an area that you're interested in, you are brilliant. But all the other stuff, like keeping your car clean, keeping your house clean, forgetting appointments, time management, 
you're a disaster. And so because you're like that, again, just like that kid, people look at you and say, well, she's so bright. It's a character flaw. It's a moral failing. She's not trying hard enough. She doesn't care. And really, it's just neurobiology. It's a different brain. You may also, to the outside world, look very accomplished. Like, I looked accomplished, right? I'd done a bunch of stuff. But inside, you're saying to yourself, I know I'm capable of so much more. And why am I all over the place? How come I've done? And part of it with me is I'm very optimistic by nature. So I kind of laughed about it. And I felt like everybody else was boring. And I got to be the one that experienced all these things. But I also thought from a financial standpoint, if I would have stuck with one, like if I would have been a lawyer and stayed as a lawyer for 20 years, you know, from a financial standpoint, maybe I would have been further ahead, but who knows, right? Um, I would have been bored out of my gourd by now. That's what exactly. I know. Sure. Right. Yes. Um, so, okay. So we've got unexplained underachievement. The second thing is consistent inconsistency. So what I was saying before, you do these things and you're so brilliant, you just knock it out of the park. But then on another day, you may not be like that at all. So my ki- my son, I always think about him. He would get A's and C's in the same subject in the same week. It just kind of depends how you feel, right? So there's just, and you don't understand why you're consistently inconsistent. So you feel like you can't rely on your brain. Well, the secret is it's a brain of interest. So when you are doing things that are, you are really interested in, you're brilliant at, it's doing all the other stuff that is such a struggle, like, you know, the everyday stuff. And especially for women who, you know, there's so much just, you know, gender roles and stereotypes and BS. And so women are supposed to, you know, do their career. And then once kids show up, they're supposed to manage everything around the household, around their children. Often they're supposed to manage their partner. And why? I mean, we're not better at that. We're not better at multitasking. You know, if a guy has ADHD, he doesn't think twice about hiring help, right? getting someone to come in and help him clean his house. In fact, if he's in a career, you would expect that, oh, if he's living by himself, that's of course what he's doing. Versus women, we're shamed for all of this. And so we look at our friends who don't have ADHD, who can manage the career and can somehow manage you know, the household well as well. And we wonder, well, why can they do it and we can't do it? Well, I promise you in your area of interest, you're running rings around anybody else. Right. And then the third thing is typical productivity tips and tools just don't work for us. Things like, what's the one about the eat the frog? Is that what it's called? Yeah, eat that frog. frog. I love that. So like that, wait, okay, tell now you got my Eat the frog is the one where you do the biggest thing. The biggest, hardest thing first first thing in the morning. Yes, because if you eat a frog in the morning, nothing worse will happen to you all day. Right. (laughs) Well, the problem is our brains don't make enough dopamine. That's exactly what's going on. What? Yeah. So what that means, is, we, we don't really know. Is it that our brains don't make enough dopamine? Is it that we process dopamine differently? So dopamine is the motivation neurotransmitter, right? It's that feel good, ah, I can just sit down and do it. The ADHD brain is a brain of interest. It is not a brain of importance. A brain of importance, what the rest of the world has, is the kind of brain that if your parents, if your teachers, if your partner wants you to do something, you can sit back and say, okay, I can do it for him, for her, 
Okay. I can do it because they think it's important that I get it done. A brain of interest can't do that because we don't make enough dopamine. We have to be interested. We have to want to do that thing for ourselves and then we can knock it out of the park, but we can't do things for other people. And when we try to do it, we fail. And that's when we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a loser. I can't get it together. I'm all over the place, blah, blah, blah. So those typical productivity tips and tricks just don't work. And so if you've tried everything, if you've bought every planner, if you have, you know, <laughs> bought every program and every book related to productivity and you still can't do it, you can't follow their rules, I would look into ADHD because there are ways that you can get things done. So that is really, um, in a nutshell, how the ADHD brain would look different than um, a neurotypical brain. Okay, so, so you're an entrepreneur. You just asked about yeah. the entrepreneur. Yeah. If you are the kind of entrepreneur who you keep, you try so hard, you're working all the time, but you're not moving your business forward. You're just stuck. You need to look mm -hmm. at trauma, number one, and then you need to look at ADHD. And you can have both. You know, in fact, people with trauma often have ADHD. It's the struggling with productivity, I think. The, and you've got this brain that, so, they talk about these three types of ADHD. And the more I meet people, the more I meet, meet inattentive women with ADHD, and I have them on my podcast, and I'm watching them, I'm sorry, they're moving all the time too, right? They're constantly fidgeting in their chair. And yeah, they're not climbing up the walls. They're not as hyperactive as I am. Maybe their <laughs> speech is a little bit more measured versus I'm like fire hose, wah, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe that it's all hyperactivity, whether it's hyperactivity in your brain or hyperactivity in your body. A lot of entrepreneurs are probably in that 43% with excellent mental health because they have learned that to stay out of their hyperactive brains, they need to be in their hyperactive bodies. And that means they need to be doing things. They need to ac be accomplishing. They need to be getting into action because that makes them feel good. Because why? that spikes their dopamine. So they have learned to spike their own dopamine by making themselves proud, by accomplishing things, by getting things done. Versus the women that are just still in their head all the time, they're thinking about what they need to do. But thinking about what you need to do, that doesn't accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. We think that when we're in our head trying to figure out, okay, I could do this, I'm making spreadsheets, whatever you're doing, we think we're doing something but we're really not. We're in our head and we're just spinning. And that's how we get so overwhelmed because then there are so many things to accomplish and we haven't started one. If we st would start with the smallest thing, the easiest thing first, that's going to spike our dopamine and then we can do the next thing. And then the we moment. can do the next thing. Yeah. And so that's why eating the frog does not work for us. No matter wow. how hard I tried to write this book, I wanted to get the... I, I am not a natural writer. I consider myself a good writer, but a book is different than writing yeah. for like Attitude Magazine or, yeah. you know, a, for a publication. Or a brief for, yeah. For, yeah. Right. <laughs> a book is huge and it needs structure. And where my brain struggles is with structure. It's not like I'm just writing about one thing. And so my goal was get up first thing in the morning and get it out of the way. I couldn't do it. And I finally realized I cannot write before 2 p.m. So 
Why am I beating myself up about this? Why am I continuing to try this? We're just going to make 2 p.m. That's when the writing hour starts. And the way I'm going to get to 2 p.m. is I'm going to ratchet up my dopamine by doing little things that progressively get bigger and bigger that I feel accomplished, you know, because that accomplishment spikes the dopamine and it allows me to do those harder things. I am fascinated. Tracy, what are some of the ways that you help people who are who are either trying to discover or have discovered they have ADHD and they want to, I mean, harness it as a superpower? Um, or do we not say that? Tell me if that's not what you don't, if you don't okay, like that. So I don't believe ADHD is a superpower because okay. If you told me you could have all of your drivenness, because drivenness, so this is the one that really got me. Drivenness is a form of hyperactivity. When Hmm. I read that for the second time, I didn't get it the first time. I had to read the book Mm -hmm. twice. When I read that the second time, I was like, oh my gosh, he got his ADHD from me. I had no idea that this was a form of hyperactivity. The other one was the ADHD brain is brilliant at interpersonal intuition. What that means is you walk into a room, nobody needs to say anything, you don't even need to know the people, and you pick up on everything that's going on. Yeah. Now, trauma can also do that, right? We can have so much intuition because, you know, we've never felt safe, and so we were constantly scanning the room. This is a different kind of intuition, and but it also comes about, you know, little t trauma. So they're, they're yeah. as I'm processing this, they're all connected. Because if you can't trust your brain, if you never know, okay, when is my brain, the good brain, the brain that gets stuff done, when is that brain going to show up? What do you do? You start trusting other things and you start developing your intuition, right? And so that's why so many of us have this incredible intuition. Um, if you have um, autism and ADHD, which is very common, I think ultimately they're going to figure out that all of those labels are basically part of one big thing. And it's one big name, right? And it's just how the constellation of symptoms kind of configures in, you know, in your like um, brain map. And so wherever you can draw that circle around the symptoms, it's like, oh, that's a label, you know, that's autism, that's ADHD, that's anxiety, that's depression. And a lot of people don't think that, well, guess what? If you discover you have ADHD and you treat that, often the anxiety and the depression resolves as well. Sometimes it's comorbid. It always gets better because the shame is dissipated, right? And a lot of ADHD women, they will look like that proverbial swan. So I am not, I call it visual pollution. I am not, my surroundings are not messy. Aesthetics are so important to me. I always laugh because, so Martha Stewart's daughter, um, Alexa, has been diagnosed with ADHD, and I have always related to Martha Stewart, and I am convinced the woman has ADHD. She just, (laughs) so, because creativity, right? Okay, so think about the brain. We've got all these thoughts. What is that? That is creativity. So the reason we are so creative is because we don't think linearly. You know, someone says, oh, you know, this is a problem. We don't think linearly. Our thoughts are all over the place. And because of that, we can take all of these thoughts kind of all at the same time, and we put them together in novel ways that people have never thought about. So creativity, I've never met, there's two things. I've never met an ADHD brain that wasn't creative, and it is not always creativity like we think of creativity, like right. the fine arts, like I'm an art or a painter, a dancer, a musician. 
It can also be creativity of thought. It can be entrepreneurial thought, right? Yeah. Coming yeah. up with this new idea for this new product that nobody's thought of. In fact, I believe that all people that are entrepreneurs are somewhere on the ADHD spectrum. Yeah, you've you've nailed me to the wall with this with this discussion, Tracy. You've totally nailed my butt. Keep going. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the next thing? What are we talking about? I can't well, remember. Tell we me were. about your book because um I you you're just coming out with a book. When when does it release? Um, it is releasing on December twenty-sixth. Yet okay. I got two messages from people I don't know last night. And they both said, I found your book at Barnes and Noble and it has changed my life. And that is like, no, they literally really? bought it today. So I don't know what's going on, but okay. tomorrow I'm going to be heading out to Barnes and Noble to check. <laughs> Usually they're uh, late, yeah. right? But maybe in I know, want to book. check Amazon. Where? So, okay. Um, remind us what it's called again. Oh, it is called ADHD for smart ass women. I'm like Vanna it's White. Funny. And it's basically how to fall in love with your neurodivergent brain. So, so it absolutely talks about some of the weaknesses we might have. I mean, you can imagine if you have this creative brain with all these thoughts, all these thoughts, too many thoughts can lead to rumination and overthinking and Mm -hmm. beating yourself up, right? So you need to work with that brain. And the truth of the matter is the reason why 43% of us are in excellent mental health is because we discovered just what I said before, when we get into action, we feel so much better. When yes. we feel paralyzed and overwhelmed, it's because we're spinning and we're thinking and thinking and thinking we're actually working on the problem when in fact we're just making it worse because, you know, you can focus on good things and hyper-focus because that's one of our gifts is we hyper-focus. So you can either hyper-focus on the good things, right? Right. And really go down that rabbit hole, discover everything you need to discover for this new business you want to start. Or you can hyper-focus on bad things, right? You can, you know, hyper-focus on, you know, how unaccomplished you are, what you haven't done, what you should do, everything that's broken. So let's work on focusing on the things that bring you joy, that bring you positive emotion, because ultimately what underlies all of this is the ADHD brain needs positive emotion to thrive. And if it is only given negative emotion, it will wither. So it's all about positive Mm -hmm. emotion. Everything that you attempt, number one, has to be with your intention. So I suspect that the women that struggle the most are the women that are trying to people please, that are trying to do everything the way they've been taught to do, the way people around them want them to do it. And what ends up happening is you get so far afield from your intention who you are and what you want for your life. And that's exactly what your ADHD brain is A-OK does because so many of the women that come to me, they don't even know who they are. They don't know what they value. They don't know what their strengths are. They don't even know what they're passionate about. And so that is what what they're talented at, you know. Um, That is what we pull together um, with them. And then from there, they know who they are. Then they can start focusing on intention. So I want to do this thing, and I've been struggling to do it. The first question is, do you really want to do it? What we do is we build um, a roadmap. It's called uh, your intelligence report. Because the other thing that I discovered because of myself was all of this self-development I did, you know, all of these workshops I took, all of these books I read, 
all of the career counseling. And every single time I'd learned something about myself, I have an ADHD brain. I would literally forget it. And so I didn't know how to pull it all together. So that's what we do. So we don't forget. So it always sits in my front, um, in my front drawer. And so they're going to look and they're going to look at their intelligence report and they're going to ask themselves, is what I'm trying to do here, is this my intention? Is this something that it's me and it's what I want for myself? Or am I trying to please someone else? Because mm -hmm. I suspect oh, that most yeah. often you're working on things for other people. So no wonder you're failing, right? Remember, we have brains of interest. We need to do things that are interesting for us. And so once you figure out, okay, this actually is my intention, then what we need to do is build an identity around it, right? We need to be able to say, oh my God, I forgot what the build, what, what's my little phrase that I always say about building an identity. So again, ADHD brain in, in brilliant color. I am the kind of person who does X. So you want to build this business, okay? You realize that you got an identity wrapped around it. It's something that we're very mission driven. So we can be annoying because we will be the person who sticks our neck out for other people because we have a real sense of, um, uh, what do I call it? Justice sensitivity. So okay. we will stick our neck out. We will speak up for other people, even if it's against our best interest, because fairness is so important to us. And who knows why that is? Um, you know, maybe it's because we felt that, you know, things weren't fair for us. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see someone who's struggling with something we struggled with, our best purposes give meaning to our past. And so we'll want to help that person. So let's say that person wants to start an Etsy shop that is, oh, I don't know, delivering messages to support neurodivergent brains. I don't know. Let's say they do t-shirts yeah, and it. all that kind of stuff, right? So we know the intention. They've got that. This is something they want to do for themselves. So now they need to build an identity around it. I am the kind of person who makes commitments to myself and keeps them. That's a really broad one. It can be something as simple as, okay, so you need to start to prove to yourself that you are trustworthy, that when you want to do something for you, you will be able to accomplish it and get it done. So you could start with something as little as, oh, I don't know, I'm totally dehydrated. I'm walking around dehydrated. My eyes burn all the time. You know, I just learned this. I didn't even know. And dehydration shrinks your brain. I have a whole little section in the book about it. Did not realize for decades I've been walking around dehydrated. And oh. it makes such a difference for cognition. Mm -hmm. But again, the ADHD brain, we're just kind of next people, onto the next thing. You know, we're looking for dopamine. So we forget to eat. We forget to drink. We forget, you know, all of the things to take care of ourselves. Because when we pop into that hyperfocus, we are going, going, going. So... You could pick something as small as to prove to yourself, right, that you're trustworthy. I want to start drinking a glass of water. So I am going to wake up. You're, we're going to build a strategy, a system, right? I'm the kind of person who keeps promises to myself. I am the kind of person who drinks a glass of water every morning when I wake up. And so you build yourself a system that works for you, that generates positive emotion, not something that feels oppressive, but something that feels fun or challenging or I don't know, create a social thing around it. Like you have friends that want to do this too. So every morning you text each other, have you drank your water? We need to build a system that works for our brain. And then every day for a week, you're going to drink that water. At the end of the week, you're going to pause. 
Another thing we don't do is celebrate because again, we have dopamine brains. We're looking for the next hit of dopamine. And when you don't celebrate, you don't realize how much you've accomplished. And that is why we end up accomplishing all this stuff and then thinking we haven't done anything because we don't know how to celebrate. We have those next brains. Okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing I can do to you know get that hit of dopamine? So we build a system and then we do it for a week. We pause. We get into our bodies and just feel how proud we are of the fact that we did this thing that we told ourselves we were going to do for us. Mm-hmm. And also connect that, look, I am trustworthy. When there are things that I want to do for me, I am capable of completing them and getting them done. So you start with something really small. And then again, just like the dopamine, you want to ratchet up to the next biggest thing that, okay, so now I want to, oh, I don't know, get five designs done this week. And I don't know if that's ridiculous. Maybe, you, but you want it as small as possible. So let's say okay. three designs done this week or even one design done this week. You complete that one design and that is at the top of your to-do list. That's not in with everything else everybody else wants you to do. That is the first thing you put on your to-do list. However, you want to structure that during the week that feels good, that works for you. And by the end of the week, you have your three designs done. And again, you pause, you get into your body, you feel the pride you feel for yourself, right? And oh, I am reliable. I am reliable to myself when I am doing things that interest me. Now, obviously, there are things that we have to do that are not going to interest us just to move in life. And there are strategies around that as well. Um, But start with the things that are important to you, because what I want to flip in your brain is that I'm talking to your audience now. What I want to flip in your brain- Oh no! <laughs> what I want to put for you know for you is that there's something wrong with you. No, there's yeah. nothing wrong with you. You just need different strategies. Okay, let's talk about this. So, am I saying stuff and you're like, "Crap, this is me." Okay, so you've heard me say it again and again. Your SEO or search engine optimization is critical to your success on Etsy. I mean. If shoppers can't find your products, they certainly won't be buying them, right? So the key is to figure out exactly what people are typing into that Etsy search bar when they're shopping for products just like yours. But how? Like I get emails and DMs and social media comments on the regular from you guys. And so many of you are looking for help on this. Like SEO is a major pain point for a lot of you. You want to know how on earth you can get into your customers' minds Find the keywords that will help make your products bestsellers and strategically place them in your listings to make sure they're fully optimized. I heard you (laughs) and now I've got you friends. I put together a resource to help you understand and master the important skill of SEO. It's called the Etsy SEO Workshop and it will literally teach you the exact strategy that I used to build my full-time multiple six-figure Etsy shop. It's the same strategy I use today. I'm unveiling all of it. I'm holding none of it back. You can get access to it right now at howtosellyourstuff.com forward slash SEO. Again, that's howtosellyourstuff.com forward slash SEO. And I will show you step-by-step how to find best-selling SEO for your products, including strategic deep dives into how I would do SEO research for five different niches. No matter what you're selling on Etsy, this workshop will show you how to compete in the Etsy search results and teach you research skills that you can use in countless business applications. I use this all the time. 
Again, you can find the workshop at howtosellyourstuff.com forward slash SEO or visit the link I have waiting for you in the show notes. I'm so excited, you guys. I can't wait to hear your success stories. A little bit. Yeah, like some of it for sure. And my sister a number of years ago came to me because she was diagnosed when she was in middle school and she oh. came to me and, and, you know, it's it's something that in the last couple of years, we didn't get to talk about this, how like litter and it's interesting when you launch your podcast, because I feel like the pandemic was when so many people became aware that they had ADHD yeah. and were, but the conversation changed. It was less of this like demonizing thing and more of this yeah. like strategizing thing, you know, mm-hmm. and like um, normalizing and neurodiversity and all that, which I thought was beautiful. But she's yeah. like, mm, I think you're on the spectrum. And I'm just like, Psh, no, I'm, I'm such a focused person. I'm not scattered. I don't lose things like you do. I don't forget about appointments, but you have said there, I mean, at least half of what you said is me for sure. Okay. So I have another thing that I want to say to you. So I was probably you. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm a lot like you. Yeah. Until perimenopause. So no, what we have discovered. Okay. We know estrogen levels go down in perimenopause, right? Yeah. But I'm 42. That's like right here. It's like coming up. Okay. So this is exactly what happened to me. So estrogen levels go down in menopause. Well, guess what? Estrogen modulates dopamine. Oh, no. And so all of a sudden, Lizzie, I did not even recognize myself. I had this incredible confidence. I was like, you know, I was driven, right? And I think ADHD women that have that drivenness often have this incredible confidence. And guess why they have it? Because they've been in action their entire life, right? Right. They're not thinking about the action. They're in action. So all of a sudden, I didn't even recognize myself. My confidence, I I still kept doing the things, but the whole time I was like just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm an optimist. I'm always feeling like if anybody gets a break, it's me. And I started to go to, so I went to my doctor. I went to my gynecologist. I went to a hormone specialist. I went to a naturopath. I was tested for Parkinson's because my handwriting changed. I was having trouble with small buttons. I went to a psychologist and she told me, all of these people were like, you know, oh, honey, it's just hormones. And for a lot of women, what they'll hear is, oh, honey, it's just anxiety. It's just depression. And I was starting to get anxious, but it was like, no, 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 it's just age. And there was a Chinese psychologist was who I went to. And she said to me, oh, it's just our Asian thing. You know, we're so... um, focused and accomplished and, you know, constantly striving. And by the time you get into your mid forties, the bloom comes off the rose. Nothing is ever as exciting. So it's just that you're not anxious. You're not depressed. You know, it's just your brain. And she didn't say it's perimenopause, but a lot of people said that too, right? Oh, it's just hormones. And they were right in part, but nobody ever told me, have you thought about ADHD? Yeah. And they met me. I mean, you can see how I talk and I'm moving all over the place. And I'm you're just high energy. You're just, a per- you're just a high energy, perky person, right? Yeah. Is that what you get all the time? Right. Yes. Right. Yep. right. Exactly. Super intuitive. So, you just, you're a people person. I'm just, uh-huh. uh-huh. Put a fork in me. I'm done. Exactly. So just you wait. No. <laughs> because well, I was, well, okay. So I went to a conference uh, okay. this, last week and I have way too much going on. I should have not been going to that conference because I'm so worried about everything I need to do for the book. So I was kind of half-assing that and half-assing, and the conference was intense, half-assing the conference. 
do you know, I have never been the kind of person that loses things. Although that's not really true because I think back of like leaving my wallet on the top of my car and driving off. But every time I lose things, it always comes back to me. But that has yeah. really not been, it, you okay. know, a huge problem up until my mid 40s. So this weekend, Last week, actually, I lost my computer bag. I left it on the shuttle with my whole life in it, including my computer. It came back. Everything came back. I lost two pairs of glasses. I left my wallet, my phone, all my credit cards, and my driver's license. So it was my phone with one of those things that attaches to the back of it in the uh, women's room at a restaurant at like 11 p.m. I had to go back. I was in my pajamas. I had to go back from the hotel to go get it. Thankfully, it was there too. And the yeah. final straw was the last day of the conference, I got an email from the people that run it. And they're like, we have your notebook. You can come to the swag shop or whatever they called it. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, but part of it was what happens with us, especially when we feel overwhelmed. I was totally in my head. I was not yeah. in my body, was not yeah. retracing any steps, was not focused on anything that was going on. I was just kind of all over the place. And so when you are in your head and not in your body, you are not paying attention to anything that's going on around you. And the final straw, this weekend I was back in LA and I was um, at the Ulta store and I hear the two women, the saleswomen, they're talking. They're like, well, I have, oh, here it is. Here's, here it is with the you know stuff on the back of it. I'm pointing to my phone. I have someone's phone and she's got all her credit cards and everything. Where should I put that? And I'm like, over here, that's mine. I did not do things like that. I also, you know, didn't forget my working memory has always been crap, meaning I can I can't memorize anything. But it wasn't to the point where I would be talking about things and I couldn't remember words. And now I call them I have on my phone, I have this app that I love called the Bear app, B E A R like the animal. And I love it because you can put anything in it. You can put notes in it. You can put thoughts in it. You can write in it. You can, like I put my son, the paint colors for my son's room, like all of that stuff that I typically lose, it is all in my bear app. And so I have a bear note that is basically called word holes. Yes. The word, yes. <laughs> there are certain words. It's like there's a hole in my brain and some yes. worm, right, has gotten in there and from the minute, I, like, there's just something about that word. It, I always struggle yeah. with it. It's like yeah. the, you know, the, the, I, I'm, I'm using the word neuro, but I can't think of what I'm trying to <laughs> You're demonstrating your point. <laughs> like the neurology, like in my brain, it is not like things are not connecting. So there's a hole. And so that's what I do. I keep it. I'm like, okay, when I'm, you know, at, you know, book tours and things like that, I forget a word. I'm just going on bear and I'm going to exhibit for them, you know, what this feels like and what this looks like. So that has gotten so, so much worse. And my biggest strategy around it is, you know, I used to work out at the end of the day, yeah. um, but exercise is as effective. So for those people like me who medication doesn't work or they don't want to take medication, although it worked for me one time, so you should try it because mm -hmm. I had to memorize a speech, could not, I can't memorize, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. This was like the seventh medication that had been prescribed that I tried oh, and it God. happened to be Ritalin. I took one Ritalin. It was literally like my brain opened up. There was a sky, there was nothing foggy. And I literally drove home and I recited, recited that speech word for word. No way. Times. No way. 
never happened again. But you know the beauty of that? If it had never happened, I would probably be dissing medication, right? Or I'd be trying not to, but I would have that feeling. But if I could use that when I needed it, I would do it every day. So if you've thought about medication, try it. Because if you're one of the lucky 70%, it's life-changing. You don't need to take it all the time. You can talk to your doctor about, okay, I'm going to take it when I'm long-form writing or when I'm giving a speech or, you know. So um, so exercise, I digressed, is as effective as a course of Adderall mm-hmm. and Prozac together. And okay. we're talking 25 minutes at your 70% of max heart rate. So 25 minutes, that's it. So it's aerobic exercise. And that'll pop up the dopamine. So that's what gets me going in the morning. And I've done it for so long now that it's not, I do the Peloton. I also have a treadmill. I do some weights. It's gotten to the point where I built, you know, neuroplasticity. We can change right. our brain. And I've yeah. built this new neuropathway where I, it's like nothing. I don't even think about it. There's no negative emotion about it. I get up and it's like I'm a zombie. I just walk to, walk to the gym. But it's because I've built that neuropathway. And I know a lot of people with ADHD are like, exercise. Oh, really? It is life. But I love that you just said that because when you said before, oh no, you're like, you know, approaching the mid 40s, I'm like, no, this is perfect. I'm so glad I found out now because Mm -hmm. I am such a geek about neuroplasticity and I will preemptively wire my brain so I don't struggle as much. Like, Mm -hmm. I love knowing this because I can then, I can work with it. Yeah. Do you have kids, Lizzie? I do. I have an eight year old daughter and I have a one year old son. And have you noticed anything that's um, different in them versus other kids? Like, are they, well, the eight-year-old, I mean, is she more chatty and precocious and super smart and just seems beyond yeah. her year? I mean, because we can be oh, yeah. so beyond our years as kids, right? But then so under our years when it comes to just basic things like, here's your lunch, don't forget it, or, you know, where's your homework? Lorelai is interesting because, so um, she's homeschooled. We spend half the year in Texas and half the year in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. We go back and forth and we have a really fun, unusual lifestyle. So we all work from home and she schools from home. So I always kind of just attributed it to like, we're weird. Um, But she's, she, she, you, if you talk to her, she's eight, you would think she, she's, she's more advanced than most 30 year olds. I know. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean that nasty towards other people. Just she's way beyond her years. She's yeah. extremely precocious. Her, her intuition about people is ridiculous. Um, she sometimes struggles to focus herself, but she, because she has to be self-driven, she's already got bumpers around that, that she works through and knows. Well, and you're out. allowing that, right? So you're oh, allowing I let her, her be, yes. to explore her interests, which yes, fortunately our school system you know, but, but what I want to say though, is there are people that I have met that are, well, I'm sure my daughter has ADHD and she's so wow, busy okay. right now that she's in law school. She's a first year law school at Fordham law. And cool. I just watching her, her ADHD looks much more like mine. Always like valedictorian, super accomplished, you wow. know, really good grades, super, you know, doesn't really struggle in that way. But where I have seen her I'm like, I don't even recognize this, is her thoughts. She's an overthinker. Okay. I never think she's done enough. Always thinks she that's needs me. to yep. do more, you know? Yep, that's yep. So I'm pretty confident she has ADHD and I keep telling her, go get yourself diagnosed. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to, but she just hasn't, you know, taken the time to do it. Um, is that an important step, Tracy? Is that like, you mentioned that, is that 
Because my inclination is I wouldn't do that. I'm going to read your book, but I wouldn't go do that. Is that a mistake or what, what do you think about it? I, you know what? So you are the expert on you. That is probably my number one message. Wow. Positive yeah. emotion and you are the expert on you. If you feel great just going just the way you are and you read yeah. my book, you'll get all the strategies. Do it that way. The only reason I decided to get diagnosed truly was I wanted to try medication because oh, my working yeah. memory is so poor. Yeah. I, I have a lot of anxiety about it. You know, I'll give you an example. I have had this podcast for four and a half years. I love to talk to people. I love people. I love learning about their stories. They're also fascinating and interesting. I don't care where they come from. You can always find you. a story, right? How much alike, Tracy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But prior to this book, yeah. Okay, I did Jenna Kutcher's podcast, and that was yeah. a big one. So of course I couldn't say no, right? Oh my um, gosh. And then maybe, and I've done a couple of friends' podcasts. I have not done podcasts. And it's been because I'm so worried that I'm going to friggin' forget what I'm supposed to be saying. But, you know, I just decided that, well, you're going to have to be talking a lot. So you better just get used to it. And so the reason why I decided to get diagnosed is I was hoping that there would be a medication that would work for my working memory. Are and you so using I, one today? Can I ask that? I, I there's nothing that works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other yeah, than yeah. exercise, truly. I've and I keep um I'm actually meeting with another psychiatrist. I mean, this has been going on for years. I've tried everything. I'm meeting with another psychiatrist um I think next week or the week after cuz now I can't even remember why. I had heard about some but this is what's so awful, you know? We're guinea pigs and science experiments. Exactly. You know, right. so you got to try it just because the medication worked for everybody else. Like the one medication that seems to work for so many women, whenever I'm talking to them, like in interviews, is Vyvanse. Yeah. Um, and I would say Vyvanse was better for me. But what happens is I actually, I used to think, so before perimenopause, I used to always say I cause anxiety. Like, right? I just kind of blow in like the North Wind and I want this and this and this and this is how it has to be done. Well, once perimenopause hit, I started to get anxiety. You're internalizing, yeah. Yeah, and I realized that even as a child, and I realized that from that awful psychologist who told us that our yeah. job as our parents' kid is to reduce his expectations. I remember I was talking about, oh, well, you know, she said something about anxiety. And I said, well, doesn't everybody have anxiety? It's like, when I was a little kid, I used to um, lie to the school nurse and say I had a stomachache because I was so afraid that something was going to happen to my mom. And so I oh. would want her to pick me up and then she'd take me out for lunch and blah, blah, blah. And the psychologist looked at me and said, Tracy, that is not normal. That is called anxiety. So I, I've always been so worried about the people around me, something happening to them. So I now know there was latent anxiety and yeah, I'm sure the there. ADHD and frankly, mm -hmm. I was on so much medication from people like the hormone specialist who told me, oh, it's not, you know, she didn't know it was ADHD. She, so she tried all the hormone stuff, hormone replacement therapy. That just made me feel bloated and gross. And then she um, was like, you know what? You have a thyroid disorder. And so oh, she boy. put me on Cytomel. And uh -huh. so I actually think the medication is what, what created the anxiety that I now experience when I'm overwhelmed or mm -hmm. I feel like I need to go, you know, give a speech. And it's not the anxiety about speaking because the weird thing is I love speaking and I'm, I'm very good at it. 
it's that I'm going to forget the words. And so I have, I'm a control freak. So I have to control everything around it, meaning the slides and, you know, do they have a comfort monitor and is there, um, you know, um, do I have notes and, and it's too much. And so that really has been my goal is to try to figure out a way to just calm that anxiety around that because those are the things that I have to do, you know? And I know yeah. a lot of it is experience. I mean, even this podcast, like, you know, I've been doing like three a day and it's getting easier and easier, but with an ADHD brain, we don't stay on script. We're all over the place. And so yeah. I always feel like I need a script, right? Because otherwise I'm telling my life story for 15 minutes, which is boring. I don't care what the life story is. So, you know, those are just, I can't even remember how we got here, but that's my answer to whatever it was that you asked. No, that's super interesting. And so I'll just plug for anyone listening, because I've had to put bumpers around myself without having any kind of diagnosis. I have found a lot of help in um, Joe Dispenza's work. Um, yeah. which has helped me with neuroplasticity. So yes. the book Breaking Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself has been profound. And then there is a company called HeartMath and they've created this tool. It's called a coherence tool and it clips to your ear and it goes into an app in your phone and it helps you regulate your breathing to the point where you bring your body out of fight or flight. So I you come that. from an anxious state down into a you know regulated state. And if you do that often enough, your body relearns calm instead of anxiety. So I'm just going to, for people who are sitting here listening to you and me, Tracy, and being like, okay, but what do I do? I think those have been really fun tools. And I don't know if you've played with any of that. No, I don't know heart map. So what Ooh. is that heart? Like H-E-A-R-T? Yep. Heart math. M-A-T-H. Oh, Matt. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. So heart let math. me tell you why that works. The reason that works is because now you have awareness. It's like yes. all of this, you know, I've got a whoop, I've got an Apple watch, I've got an yep. aura ring and it's like, yeah, it's too much. But the deal with it is once you understand, then you can make changes, right? If you don't yes. understand, you don't even know what's going on with you. I love that. Okay. The best part about the coherence tool is that it shows you, I actually, my daughter, when my son was born, developed crippling anxiety mm. and my, I have the most amazing therapist and she helped work with my daughter as well. And the most powerful thing about the heart math is that it shows you that you're in control. So in a space where yes. you feel out of control in fight or flight, you are yes. watching you control your breath and your breath control your, your state. And it gives you, it gave her all of her power back because now she's in the driver's yes. seat and she can, yeah, it's been amazing. If a kid can do it, we can, I mean, it's, I it's love remarkable. That. You so know, the fun. other thing, um, which is free is tapping. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, could not yeah. live without tapping and these are all somatic therapies, right? That you're teaching yourself how to manage your, well, your ner that was the other heart, uh, whole thing, your nervous system. You're basically yeah. teaching yourself how to manage your nervous system. I need to add that to my whole map. Tracy, I, I have kept you way longer than I should have, but I know, I, but it's fun. I, Thank it's, you. It's so much fun to be with you. Can you just tell us where we, the best places to find you and connect for just, we, so we can stalk you? Yes. I would love for you to go to ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. And there you will find all of the places that you can order the book. But if you go there and then put in your order number, um, you will get all kinds of bonuses, starting with what does ADHD, there are trainings that I, that I do oh, for you. I love that. Okay. And, um, it starts with, um, what does ADHD look like in women? Perfect. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. All right. And then are you big on social media? Where do you like to hang out? I'm on Instagram at Tracy Otsuka and Facebook. Okay. I oh think gosh, Facebook is, hello. Well, you'll do the, 
I can't I'll, remember. I'll link it all. I'll link it all. But know. Tracy, you know we have to get you on TikTok, right? Or are you super anti? Because we do you want? Okay, can we so, change your life, please? Can we? <laughs> so one of my what your New Year's wonderful list? people that works with me, and I'm trying to think of what her title is, but she's been helping with the marketing of the book. She's like, you need to be on TikTok, and so she uh-huh. created a TikTok account for me, and she's kind of posted a little bit there. But I've been fighting her the whole way. I don't want to do TikTok. Why do I have to be on TikTok? You don't have to be on TikTok. People just need you on TikTok. Oh, it just seems like so much work. Oh my gosh. Yes. Separate conversation we should have (laughs) because, you know, do you know what? I actually think, uh, and you are the expert on you. I'm stealing your line. But I actually think that if you did it, if you forced yourself for 30 days to do it, you'd fall in love with it and then you wouldn't want to live without it. Okay. Maybe I need to go look at your TikTok and figure out well, what yeah, you do. I go for walks. So I love exercise. I walk for about three miles a day and mm-hmm. I am like going and I have all my energy and that's when I record them. And it's the most, I, I don't know, you're a much more polished person than I am. I am so like, I rarely wear makeup and I'm, I'm wearing sweatpants right now and I haven't showered in at least two days <laughs> and I just don't care. And you are adorable and beautiful and polished and put together and no, um, so perhaps, but I'm just saying it can be whatever. Okay. I'll, separate I'll conversation. I'm here for you, girl. I'm here for you. But um, I have to tell you, thank you so much for what you're bringing the world. I love your hope-filled message. I love you as a human. I'm so grateful that you were willing to spend this time with us. So thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. I loved it. You know, this is m- about more than turning pages in a book. It's about changing chapters in women's lives. And I don't want to just flip the script. I want to rewrite the entire ending. And so that's been the goal. So thank you for allowing me to share that. Mission mission accomplished. All right, guys. Um, I know that half of you, your entire world is turned upside down. Shoot <laughs> me all the emails and DMs. I love you so much. We're in it together. I'm over here. I was almost crying halfway through this thing because I'm just like, oh, crud. Wow. I just got nailed. And also really feeling for my sister who just my my parents were so, they're amazing and they won the best for us, but they were so hard on her. And so mm-hmm. I'm really feeling for those of you who have not been allowed to be yourself and have thought there was something wrong and um, just are feeling a bit crushed and maybe that's fresh right now. So just know that I'm in that in there with you and I love you so much. I'm rooting for you. And until next week, go make something awesome. I'll talk to you guys soon. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.